And now, Jalen and Jacoby on ESPN Radio. Where the fuck is Worry about my posse getting jumped. Cause if we ever do, yo TV, pop the trunk. Cause we make a pop the trunk and hit the sweet. Now act stupid, I'll pop the trunk. <laughs> give me your po-po, He is Jalen Anthony Rose. I'm David Dowling Jacoby. And on the cool check-in. Center stage on the mic. And we're putting it on wax. It's the new stuff. We're Jalen and Jacoby. What do we do? We get a people. What they want. Big game in Houston last night between the Bucks and the Rockets. Of course, it was on ESPN right after NBA Countdown featuring Jalen Rose and the crew. So you know it's a national TV game. You got to get your outfit right. The Bucks ended up taking this game. They ran away with it between the third and fourth quarter. But one thing I want to talk to you about, Jalen, is the way that the Bucks defended James Harden. See how they're George Hill forcing him right, making him use his right hand. And then everybody collapses, and they turn him into a passer. They ran him off the three-point line. They made him go right, and they stopped him from getting to the rim. Now, James Harden did have 42 points in this game, but they this is a little bit of a blueprint in how to stop one of the most interesting and effective offensive players that the game has ever seen. Do you think the Bucks are onto something that other teams well, will use? It can be, and I understand how you would make that distinction, but I want to applaud you, my brother, and give you a pat on the back for something. There's a lot of Mr. Me Too's that are taking place in this industry. And that's why I call this show the one for the tastemakers, because I see people that get paid to talk about sports on television, steal our takes, steal our catchphrases (laughs) and use them as their own. It's really interesting. It's flattering. I appreciate it. I'm not going to go any further than these two two guys that were matched up yesterday in James Harden and the Greek Freak. Take it from one of the only people talking about sports on television who happened to be left-handed. People Mm. try to force you right all of the time. It's a right-handed world. There are teams in the NBA that do not have a left-handed player. This is not necessarily foreign. You are able to be more effective doing this when he's without his second best player in Chris Paul and his fourth best player in Eric Gordon, who's their resident knockdown shooter. So Mm -hmm. here's what really was taking place. They weren't shading him. They weren't forcing him right. They were exaggerating forcing him to the right side. Therefore, you take away the left-handed step-back shot. That's his trademark. But more importantly, you take him off the three-point line where he's led the league in three-pointers made, and you challenge him to do something that many people in the analytics community, including the Houston Rockets, because they've made this in vogue, you put him in position to do something he doesn't want to do. Make a play mid-range. So since you know he's not going to shoot the three because you're all up on his left hand, you understand that he ain't going to pull up at the free-throw line so you're literally forcing him right to the Greek freak. You're forcing him right to Lopez. Therefore, they were able to get low percentage shots, low percentage passes, get a couple of block shots, and confuse James Harden a little bit. 
But there were only a couple of people that really did it effectively. Bledsoe did the best yep. job of it. Malcolm Brogdon was second. But this isn't a recipe that everybody can employ. Because George Hill was terrible at trying to do it. Therefore, he was the one that was getting torched, in particular, in the second quarter. Yep. So once James got going and got into a rhythm, he started to realize that when I drive, I have to look to score. So you saw a couple of unorthodox shots, right leg, left hand, left leg, right hand. Like he was trying to find a rhythm because he was not trying to play mid-range. So yep. I understand there will be people that say this now is a blueprint for guarding James Harden. But he still put up 40 the last time I checked. Sure did. He still made over five threes the sure last did. time I checked. And he still had his team in a position to win the game, even though he was playing without the guys I just mentioned. Yeah. Well, two things I want to bring up is that's very important. It's about personnel that you, that you just, I just want to reiterate that you said without Gordon and without Chris Paul, you turn him into a passer. Fine. But when he has Chris Paul and Gordon, you turn him into a passer. They're going to hit those shots. And secondly, when you have Robin Lopez, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Thon Maker, you can do that because you can allow your guards just to run him off the three-point line, and he has to go into the the paint and play. I always get the Lopez brothers messed up. You know exactly who I'm talking about, the Splash Mountain. But, Jalen, there's one play that I have to show you that was really the best highlight from the game. It's Giannis. He's got the ball. He's in the post. He's met work in the post. He sees his man open in the corner. Bang! Hits James Harden in the face. Whenever someone touches me in the face with the ball or their hand, I get crazy and I get upset and I want to hit somebody. He took this pretty good. Would you just like let this slide if you were James Harden? You can't let it slide, but also there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, and what are you so do, by not letting it slide, what do you do? You fall to the ground and then you take a standing eight count like you just got punched by Wilder or Anthony Joshua, just like he did. And you continue to play basketball as well. So for the Greek freak, he likes to do that elongated right-handed pass. He got away with it a couple of times in the game. It's not a high percentage play. I'm pretty sure it's something that the coaches talked to him about putting two hands on the ball or being more distinct with where he's going to actually deliver the ball. Yep. But when you watch James Harden and the Greek freak play against each other, these two top five players could not be vastly more different. James Harden leads the league in points off the dribble, in particular step-back threes. And Tentacupo leads the league in unassisted dunks. So these are two guys that are putting up numbers, but it looks way different how they're able to get it accomplished. It's a good point. Something tells me we'll be comparing these two basketball players a lot as the season moves on, and you know exactly why the MVP. Yep. Moving on to the second game in that doubleheader on ESPN last night, the Pistons went into Los Angeles to play the Lakers. Your Pistons went into Los Angeles to play Lakers, and they did not look that good. You know who did look good? My guy Kyle Kuzma. Kuz is that dude. He had his first 40-point game, a career high. Kuz was just... Everything he shot seemed to go in. He was feeling himself. It just looked great out there. And in my mind, he has now solidified himself clearly as the second best player on the Los Angeles Lakers roster and someone who Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson would be very, very hesitant to trade. 
Do you agree that Kyle Kuzma is clearly the second best player wearing I've a Lakers been uniform this season? That Kyle Kuzma is the second best Laker, just like you have the entire season. So for anybody that can hear my voice and you hear other multimedia members try to steal this tape, please at me and at them. It just makes me feel good when I look down at my phone and I understand Mr. Me Too's are taking place and getting paid to talk about sports. I I made a huge mistake. I misspoke. I totally misspoke. I almost want to, like, just stop the entire show. He's the third best Laker. It goes Lance... LeBron and then Cal Kuzma. I'm sorry. I just wanted to correct myself. I apologize. Lance, I see you. You know you're my guy. Sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes you miss shots. Sometimes I make mistakes on the show. I apologize. But my guy Cal Kuzma had something pretty interesting to say after the game that I'm going to read too much into as a media member. He said this quote, I think our small ball unit can be really good. I think we can have a death lineup, whether that's Rondo and Lonzo on the floor at the same time or me and Brandon Ingram and Bron or substituting guys. Hmm. I think it's as we get better defensively and we get more continuity, that small ball lineup is going to be huge for us, especially in the playoffs when everybody's going to be going small. Okay, well, there's a lot of Zubach on the floor last night. You know, they weren't exactly going small. They've got JaVale McGee. They've got bigs. Do you think their best finishing lineup in a playoff series would be a small ball lineup? And if so, who would be in it? I understand where he's going in this dynamic. And for a player, the Flint Town representer, who, as you acknowledge, has distinguished himself as somebody that could be a clear performer alongside LeBron James and put up big numbers without him the way he did in this game, going against a team that he rooted for growing up, scoring over 40 points in only three quarters. There was also an issue with the Detroit Pistons defense that allowed Michael Beasley to come off the bench on his birthday to also put up big numbers, while Blake Griffin, in an anomaly, didn't have a rebound. Just like the Greek freak didn't have a dunk. I was just looking at both of those players. Like, I have never seen this happen watching both of those guys play. But with that being said... Playing small ball works to his favor offensively because usually he's able to get his shots off definitely against five, and he's able to work matchups against fours. The problem is when you go against the top-tier teams, and I've done this distinction for years, they're going to always have a prominent big that's in the league because of his skill, like Jokic, Nurkic, Anthony Davis, Boogie! And then you're going to have those that are in the league because of their will, like Steven Adams. And guess what LeBron James and Kyle Kuzma does not want to be doing? Guarding either one of those guys consistently. So you're going to have a healthy diet of the three-headed monster of the Lakers center getting quality minutes. I wouldn't be surprised if the small small ball lineup is not the one that closes games. But again... It was good to see how he continued to progress and distinguish himself as a player on that team. Let's get the people what they want. We asked the people to send in their cultural or regional questions because we always give the people what they want. So we have this from Twitter. This is from Hot Rob. Sleeping nude, cultural or regional? Jalen Rose, your thoughts. 
universal. And in a lot of cases, it has an ulterior motive, especially if you don't sleep alone every night. <laughs> and it depends on the climate that you live in. Yep. So, like, if you're on the East Coast and it's February, it's a little chilly outside. So you probably want to have it some is. long johns, some pajamas, an undershirt or something like that. But if you're somewhere where it's warm outside, definitely so new I think you started with universal, but you convinced yourself that it is regional. And I will say this to all prospective parents in the world. One side effect of having lots of young children, you can no longer sleep nude. Moving on. Not just do we take the questions from Twitter. We also have a voicemail line. If you call 985-80-Jalen, you can leave us a voicemail. and We'll put it right on the show like this. Cultural or regional? Bumper stickers. Bumper stickers are cultural. Wouldn't you agree, Mr. Rose? No, they're not cultural. Nope. Take it from really? somebody that grew up urban and now lives. And this is the answer. They're suburban. What? That's the answer for this. So you don't regional. necessarily see people in the city or in the hood riding around with bumps, bumper stickers. But if you're in the suburbs... You see parents of all shapes, sizes, and colors rocking them. What? Next, we have this tweet from our account. Shout DJ out. wants to know, ketchup in mac and cheese, cultural or regional? I'm just going to say that's insane. Cultural. That's insane. Who's putting ketchup cultural. on mac and cheese out in these streets? Who's who's disrespecting the great dish of mac and cheese by putting ketchup on top of it? If you need to put ketchup on mac and cheese... You're eating the wrong mac and cheese because I would never ever disrespect the well, mac and cheese this? that my lovely wife makes with some ketchup. I would ne- if, if you need to put ketchup on your mac and cheese, you need to reevaluate the decisions you're making in life. What do you think, Mr. Rose? I was eating breakfast with my wife and she looked at me and was like, "Do you want some hot sauce for the, with those eggs?" I was like, "Oh, I do sauce. hot sauce on eggs all the time." Yep. Oh, I do a hot sauce. You need to put a hot because sauce. Because I cultural. love hot sauce on eggs. Yep. I because love hot sauce. Cultural. No, you're wrong. It's universal. You're just wrong. Yep. The only you're thing wrong. I want on my eggs is cheese and grilled onions. And what? salt and pepper. Moving on, we have another voicemail. Don't forget, if you call 985-80-Jalen, you can leave us a voicemail and put it on the show just like this. Cultural or regional is taking the batteries out of your fire alarms. And then the second thing is cultural or regional, putting batteries in the freezer. Okay, let's take these one by one. Number one, taking batteries out of the fire alarm is universal. Yeah. You know it starts beeping. It does that thing where it's like, meep. It does that beep every once in a while. It's so annoying. You can't tell where it's come from. And the second you figure out it's the fire alarm, you take that battery out of there. It's usually like one of those weird square. I think it's like an E battery, whatever they call it. I'm going to say a B battery. Definitely everybody. I, how, I, how many times do you have a fire alarm hanging out, you know, <laughs> hanging from the wire from your ceiling? I'm going to say that's universal. Your thoughts, Jalen Rose? I'm going to give... An answer that embodies both of these questions. And my answer is actually going to be cultural. Here's why. Because they asked about taking the batteries out, but they didn't necessarily acknowledge why. And I know there's been so many times that I've taken batteries out of one thing to put it in another so that they can function like a remote control. Okay. Take them out of a different room, take them out of a different remote, take them out of the fire alarm. And definitely back in the day, we put batteries in the freezer. I don't necessarily believe that works, but for some strange reason, I thought that it did. When you're playing with your handheld Mattel games and stuff like that, and you're going through batteries like crazy, that was something I did really often. 
Yeah, I would definitely take out the batteries and just like switch them around and put them back in and get like another four minutes out of it. Yeah. Moving on, we have the next one comes from Twitter, and this is from the Infinite One. He always tweets us. Shout to him. Shout Calling out. your pets your children. Cultural regional. Cultural. Cultural. I mean, cultural where do they do this? Who does cultural, this? Who does this? Cultural. I've not. I've not seen too many people that look like you do this. I think this is actually cultural. But take it from someone who does not have pets that does have children. When people act like their pets are the same responsibility and burden as having a human child, I don't say anything to them. But I judge those people. I judge those people heavily. You know what? I'm gonna give a poster child. I'm gonna give a a face of the franchise to the calling their pets children movement. And it's our sister, my good friend and yours, Michelle Beetle. Beat. She loves pets more than people. Shout out. <laughs> she does. No doubt she about really it. Does. If, so, she replace, if she could replace if she could replace you, this is Chauncey, and Paul with three <laughs> pugs, she would definitely do that in a heartbeat. That's gonna be in her next contract. Be like, I need instead of these guys, let's have some dogs on set. Finally, very quickly. Leroy Jenkins. Shout out. Legend. Wants to know, cultural regional putting hot sauce on fruit, chips, and or food. I don't think putting hot sauce in food is cultural. I mean, that's universal. Everyone loves hot sauce. But putting them on fruit, I have never heard of that in my life. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. You putting hot sauce on I'm fruit out here? I'm rolling with you on that. Yeah. Um, I would I'm love to try it. I'm down that. to try putting anything. Putting hot sauce on things is definitely universal. But I have never heard of anyone putting hot sauce on fruit. Please send more detail. Athletes, they just can't help themselves on social media. Sometimes they just do something that is socially awkward. Amazon's Jeff Bezos is worth $137 billion. That's with a B. Billion dollars. Jeff Bezos is worth $137 billion. That's an estimation. Here's the thing. Jeff Bezos is about to go through a divorce. And that means that his wife, Mackenzie, is going to inherit billions of dollars herself. This information was not lost on the Rams starting running back, Todd Gurley, who took to Twitter and said, who got Mackenzie Bezos IG or Twitter? Jalen Rose. One thing I know that really bothers you is when people acknowledge or hit on someone else's wife, but they are going through a divorce. Are you okay with Todd Gurley shooting his shot at Mackenzie Bezos? I'm not going to take this serious or literal because it is 2019. And therefore, if he really wanted her information, he could have actually just Googled it. So first and foremost, I'll put it there. Second, he makes his own bread. So hopefully he's not thirst trapped after somebody else's money. And so... I won't take this to the point of where I think he crossed the line because I think he was just being socially awkward and it wasn't necessarily funny. It was kind of funny. I laughed at it. I laughed at it. Moving on. Last night, the Celtics played the Pacers. The Pacers have, I believe it's the third best defensive rating in the NBA and the Celtics ran right through them. They scored 135 points on that Pacer team. This is their fifth game in a row with over 30 assists. They're climbing the Eastern Conference standings, Jalen Rose. Have the Celtics finally figured it out? I think they have. And the dynamics of their team, so when you talk about them, of course, they're led by Kyrie and Tatum. 
But I like to look deeper in the box score. And when I see Morris and Jalen Brown and Hayward all playing well, Rozier contributing and being efficient, that's what allows them to function on all cylinders. But their rock and their anchor, in particular when playoff time comes and if they're going to meet their goals, has to be Al Horford playing at an all-star type level. So that's the player I'm going to be watching to see if they're going to be able to overcome the gauntlet in the Eastern Conference. Jalen Rose, it's time for you, as you so often do, to take us behind the curtain. Shout out to Bleacher Report and Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher wrote a pretty interesting article about the politics of kicks in the National Basketball Association. We all know that superstar athletes, especially basketball players, have signature sneakers, and they're some of the best performing sneakers that you can wear on the court. However... Teams like the Cavs refuse to wear Steph Curry sneakers. On the Warriors, you're not allowed to wear James Harden sneakers or other signature kicks. You played in the NBA against a gentleman by the name of Air Jeffrey Jordan and other superstars. Is this really a thing? Would you never wear the signature sneaker of another player? Be more of a thing than it is now because there are so many signature kicks and a lot of people, in theory, have to be affiliated with the same brand. But I will say this, that's generational. Usually that is passed down by who the top players are in the league. So when I was in the game and the best player was Michael Jordan or Akeem the Dream, Shaquille O'Neal, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, those players weren't doing things like that. So therefore, the rest of the league followed suit. Once this became the LeBron James era, I always talk about he did three things to his opponent. Dominate, disable, or dismantle. Because he doesn't have any rivals, but yet he finds ways to be affiliated with all of the players in the league. Whether he's friends with them, whether he's doing projects with them, whether he's tweeting at them, whether they're doing stuff on uninterrupted. So basically, it's the exact same thing whether they're wearing his kicks or not. Jalen, You and I disagreed about the future of Kyler Murray, who was drafted to Major League Baseball, specifically the Oakland A's, and was the Heisman Trophy winner playing quarterback for Oklahoma. I thought he should go to the NFL. You thought he should go to Major League Baseball. He was expected to not make himself eligible for the draft, but that has now changed Now he's going to make himself eligible for the draft, and the A's are likely going to allow him to go to the Combine. Jalen. With Kyler Murray's options being both Major League Baseball and the National Football League, do you still feel that the Heisman Trophy winner, who could get picked in the first round, should go play Major League Baseball? I think he should keep his options open. Unlike previous Heisman Trophy winner, Charlie Wara, who chose to play in the NBA, and or unlike Deion Sanders and or Bo Jackson, This young man has a chance to be like a game-changing athlete. We don't see too many players that have the ability to actually do both. And when you think of like Prime and Bo, they go down as historic athletes, not because only their terrific productivity, but the fact they were the best of both worlds in different areas of the profession. That's almost impossible to do in a lot of landscapes. Like we talk about a guy like Patrick Mahomes who played baseball previously and he has great arm talent and can throw from different angles. But it's another thing for a guy to actually be drafted by the Oakland A's, get paid $46 million, 
win the Heisman Trophy and enter the NFL draft, and it's projected to be a first-round pick. So while we were watching a national championship game and we were enamored with Tua and Trevor Lawrence, and rightfully so, terrific players, this is the guy that actually took away the biggest award in the sport. So I'm not mad at him at all for keeping his options open. So, Jalen, you and I are of an age where we remember Bo Jackson. We remember Prime. Is it possible that we get another one? Will Kyler Murray play both sports? Please say no. yes. Please say yes. Please no. say yes. Please say yes. I no. knew that was I knew that wasn't gonna no. be the case. No. So no. Cliff no. Kingsbury no. is the no. brand new no. head coach of the Cardinals. No. And you know, he's just getting used to the job. He's just showing up, he's meeting people, and he already has himself in a bit of a controversy. On October eighteenth, when he was still at Texas Tech of 2018. Remember, he's still the head coach of Texas Tech at the time. He said if he had the number one pick in the draft, he would draft none other than Kyler Murray. Well, guess what? what? He's no longer the head coach of Texas Tech. Now he's the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, and the Arizona Cardinals have the number one pick in the draft. Is there any chance that he picks Kyler Murray and no longer has Josh Allen. Well, nope. now that he's the head coach of an NFL team, I'm pretty sure that he understands the Buckeyes, the team in Ohio, have a really stout quarterback that could go number one overall, and it's considered a better prospect than the one that he talked about. So I see him backpedaling on that conversation. But here's one of the things I want to point out. And I'm not mad at Kingsbury for getting the interest that he got. He had a losing record at Texas Tech. Ultimately, he got fired. Got hired at USC to be a coordinator. And before he got a chance to participate in one live action football game, he got hired to be an NFL coach. So it's going to be a lot of eyeballs on that hire and that productivity, number one. But number two, are people treating him like he's Lincoln Riley or something? And the reason why I use him as an example is you probably will never see a coach have two different quarterbacks win the Heisman Trophy in back-to-back seasons like he was able to achieve. It's crazy. And if you're Josh Rosen, you have to be wondering what exactly Cliff Kingsbury's intentions are, especially given the fact that he said that back in October. But something tells me that with that number one pick, he will not pick a quarterback. But if I had the choice, I would pick Haskins. Jalen Rose, whenever we talk about Anthony Davis or anybody talks about Anthony Davis, it's not about what he's doing with the Pelicans. It's about what he might do with the Lakers and if the Celtics can put together a trade package that the Pelicans can't refuse. That's the discussion around it. But one thing that's been missing in all this discussion is just how uniquely skilled and well he has been playing this season. Jalen Rose, is he sort of like with Giannis the prototype for the future of the NBA? Like these seven-footers that can do things with guard skills. I... Put him just a hair ahead of the Greek freak because his ability to shoot from the perimeter. Good point. And so with that being said, you notice the areas of the floor that he likes to operate on is old school. Right from the elbow. Jalen, you and I hang out a lot, right? And you're very noticeable. You're a gigantic celebrity, and people stop you all the time, and people take pictures of you all the time, and you're so gracious. You take pictures of everyone that asks. But one thing I know you don't like. One thing I know you really don't like is when people take pictures of you without asking you, they just kind of like paparazzi snap you. You always notice when they do it, and how do you handle it when it happens? I just don't like the fact that somebody would treat you like a zoo animal. I love Oprah Winfrey, but if I see her at a restaurant, I'm not going to go up 
and start snapping pictures of the side or the back of her head. I'm just not going to do that. To me, that's just no. rude. So when people behave in that manner, it does tick me off somewhat, and I would rather it not take place. And you usually sort of like you you don't you don't confront them. But you will acknowledge them verbally. You don't just allow it to happen. You'll say something to them, call them out a little bit, but not in a mean way. I've seen you do it many times. Well, Nick Young was at a car wash. Nick Young is a very recognizable person as well, especially in Los Angeles, his hometown. And he's just getting his car wash, hanging out. And um, someone snapped a picture of him in the same way. However, instead of verbally acknowledging it and, you know, just releasing the tension that way, the way Jalen Rose handles it, Nick Young allegedly, I do not know what happened, but TMZ has reported Shout that out. Nick Young is being accused of punching this person in the nether region and then stealing their camera. Jalen, I know you would never do that, but could you understand someone else doing that? What? I'm not going to condone violence, so I'm not going to say I understand that he took that step. But this should be a fork in the road that we should be able to create a union between people that recognize public figures or celebrities and want to acknowledge them and or give them love. All you got to do, get some eye contact, give them a head nod, use your voice. Usually people are gracious enough based on the way you're approaching them to give you a solid answer. And so if the person is not in the mood, to take a picture or not in a mood to acknowledge you or in a rush. We have to find ways not to take that personal. But then if they do that, then you snap the picture on the side of the head. No, I'm <laughs> It's so hard to be a rich and famous celebrity, Jalen. It's just so hard for you. You know, us regular Joes just feel so bad for the life that you lead. You know what? Those people always wanting to talk to you and all that money. You don't know where to spend it. It's just got to be so hard, man. I understand your plight, man. I, mean, I know you know. I know you well. It's so difficult to be Jalen Rose. Anything that we can do as to the general population to make life easier for you, then I'm totally happy to do it. <laughs> there is a huge slate of divisional round playoff games this weekend in the NFL, and we will break them all down for you tomorrow. But right now, we have some interesting news of exactly how the head coach of the Saints, Sean Payton, is motivating his players. What he did is he brought the Lombardi Trophy into the locker room, but not just the Lombardi Trophy. He also brought in about 200 and $25,000 in American currency. No Harriet Tubman's, though, I'm pretty sure. However, when he did, why he did this is because if the Saints were to win the Super Bowl, that is the approximate bonus that each and every individual player would receive. So he showed the trophy. He showed the cash to these players. And he said, if you guys want this, win three football games. Jalen Rose, I absolutely love this story. But you were in the NBA locker rooms, you were a professional basketball player. Would this work? Would this motivate millionaires to win win football games? Absolutely. I talk about this all of the time, and he did the similar tactic when they won the Super Bowl previously. Here's the thing. The biggest motivator to anyone that is indulging in cash transactions is finance. Not necessarily a credit card, not necessarily a wire, not necessarily a check. When you bring some cash and you put it on the table 
and it's a whole lot of Benjamins, I'm telling you, that just does something. It's like it's like eucalyptus. It's like vaporizer to the body. <laughs> it just it just does like hauls. It just I mean, does honestly, something to you to I gotta tell you feel truth. a lot soothing. I I kind of miss the days in which I would take my check when we got physical checks and take it to the check cashing place and they would just count out the money in front of me. Everyone does direct deposit now. I kind of want once, just one one week a year, I want Disney just to hand me duffel bags of ones so I can just walk out of the office with just big duffel bags and then come home and be like, here you go, family. Look what I did. <laughs> However, I probably would spend half of it before I made it home, let's be honest. Yeah, you There's- got a lot of ones for some reason. Let's let's move on, please. Uh, Jalen Rose, the uh, you know the Columbus Blue Jackets are a hockey franchise, and our teamy Panarin is their leading scorer. However, they're concerned about retaining Panarin. So what did they do? Nothing. But a local distillery. Let me get it right. The High Bank Distillery has offered Panarin a lifetime supply of vodka if he resigns what? with the Blue Jackets. I think this is a good tactic to retain him, but I also see some problems with it. Do you think it is a good thing that the High Bank Distillery has offered him a lifetime supply of vodka? I don't think it's a good thing. What? Mm -mm. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a wonderful thing. I think it's a fantastic thing. I think it's a terrific thing. Think about how many situations take place 24-7-365. Their birthdays, their holidays, their celebrations, their happy hours. If you had unlimited supply of vodka, that probably could save you $250,000 a year if you don't realize it. Okay, see, I like the way you're thinking. That makes sense. But, like, let me tell you my train of thought. Let's say he does resign with the team. And then all of a sudden... He's got a house full of vodka bottles. His production might go down. Like, let's be honest. If you gave me a lifetime supply of vodka, my production would go down on this program. You know? Like, maybe we should give him something else. Give him some protein shakes. Give him something that would help his production. Some coffee. Something like that. Like, I don't know if a lifetime supply of vodka is how you want your leading scorer to operate. Just saying. I'm just saying. We disagree. He has the money to buy it and overindulge if he chose to anyway. If he's not doing it anyway, he wouldn't do it when he got an unlimited supply. He'd just take care of his family and friends. Jalen, much like Usher and his crazy hair, I have a confession. (laughs) I always say that I'm going to speak truthfully and I'm going to live my life openly to the podcast listeners that are part of my family. There was a very controversial episode of Jalen and Jacoby last Thursday during which I admitted that I played a rec league basketball game and then I watched a Laker game. I didn't have time to shower and I came straight to work. Last night, played a rec league basketball game. It was late. Game started at 9.20. Went till about 10.30. We lost by three. I played terribly. I had two points. I had two points. It was awful. I played terribly. Two points? Yeah, dog. Two points. Two. That's it. In the whole game. Not in what? Like one bucket. And after the game, I wanted to see the Lakers. Running time is whack anyway. I wanted to see the Lakers and the Pistons after the game. So I watched that game. And then after after that game, there's a show called After the Buzzer featuring my people. My family, the greatest to ever do it, Michelle Beadle, my brother Jalen Rose, Chauncey Billups, Paul Pierce, I've never met, but I respect and I enjoy his television appearances. So they have this show after the buzzer. So then I'm watching that. It's getting late on the East Coast. So I went to sleep. You know what I didn't do? Shower. Quincy wakes up this morning at 545. I got to be at work. You know what I didn't do this morning? Shower. 
So even after all that controversy, <laughs> I did the exact same thing this week that I did last week. I think we got to start calling it Funky Thursdays. We're just going to start calling it Funky Thursdays on the show. Because that's just the way it's going to go. Because they like got because every Wednesday you got the doubleheader like on ESPN. It. Every Wednesday I got the rec league game. You know, that's just how it's going to be. Funky Thursdays on ESPN, too. Just own it. I ain't mad at it. But am I supposed to not watch after the buzzer? Which I like. I like after the buzzer. You know? Thank you, family. You guys get to hang out late night. It's a great show. Yep. So, we always say we give the people what they want. Part of giving the people what they want is listening to the voicemails. We appreciate all of our callers. If you call 985-80-Jalen, you can leave us a voicemail, and we'll play it on the show just like this. Hey, Jalen and Jacoby. It's Wheeler from Nashville. Shout out, Reg. Been listening to the pod for years now. I'm a huge Bucks fan. Been following the Bucks for years. Definitely suffered through some lows to get this year's high. Our competitor in the Central Division, the Detroit Pistons, started off real hot this season, 14-6, and but they've rattled off like eight losses in a row. Just want to hear your thoughts on how Detroit should right the ship. You have Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, Dwayne Casey. What should they do? Thanks. The Pistons have been broken for a while, Jalen. And I know you pay close attention. I know you on the text with some movers and shakers in the organization. If they texted you, and which they probably do, and said, Jalen, what do we do to right the ship, just like my man Wheelo in Nashville did, what is your answer? Well, it, it, it's a loaded answer. Um, a few things. Thank you for the call. Appreciate the support. In today's landscape of the NBA, you have to have dynamic perimeter players in the backcourt and or on the wing if you're going to have any chance to be consistently cons- successful. Yep. So, yeah, for the dynamics of the Detroit Pistons, when you draft Luke Kennard and you draft Stanley Johnson, you need those guys to become consistent role rotation players and preferably starters once you take them in the lottery. That hasn't happened. Nope. And Stan Van Gundy jokes, this is why he works with me in the media. So, Jalen, we have to have a real heart-to-heart here. you got to be honest with yourself. Right. You can be honest with me. No one else is listening to this. Okay. The Pistons are now 17 and 22. And they're a game and a half behind the Hornets for the eight seed. I know you have playoffs expectations for this team. But the Pistons aren't making the playoffs. Is it time for the Pistons to tank? Interesting. No is the answer to the question. No. I do believe... You sure? You sure? Yeah, no, no, no. Um, because you got to look at the dynamics of a team that, while for public consumption, people don't realize that aren't many, there's probably, what, five teams in the history of the NBA that have won at least four championships. The, no, they won three championships. The Pistons, the Pistons fall with that, in that category. Yep, yep. Just moved from Auburn Hills to downtown. Mm-hmm. Just paid Dwayne Casey to be the head coach. This is not the time to tank. When you look at the the Hornets roster, compare it to the Pistons roster, if Detroit doesn't make the playoffs, that's a real disappointment. And again, the movable pieces and parts you gotta look toward that aren't giving the team the dynamic that they expected are real simple. Big money to Reggie Jackson. Drafted 
Stanley Johnson and Luke Kennard in the lottery. Yep. So I would say that the Pistons should not tank because I'm looking at the standings and it feels like they could climb up above the Hornets. The Nets could certainly come back to earth at some point. And you really just have to be 500 in the East. So we'll, we might have this conversation in March or late February, but right now they're still in the hunt. Yep. But I ain't mad at you for going there. I am disappointed and disgusted from watching the way the team has performed under expectations overall. But I can't front. I believe in Casey, Blake, and Andre. If you call 985-80-Jalen, you can leave us a voicemail. And if you give Reggie a shout-out and you're one of the first three voicemails he listens to that day, he will put you on the show just like this. What up, Jalen Jacoby? My name is Brad. I'm from St. Louis. You know, shout-out, Reg. Shout-out to all the producers. I got a quick question. I'm originally from Louisiana. I'm a Pelicans fan, Saints fan, LSU, all the way through and through. And um, obviously the news of AD potentially leaving. Do you think if AD leaves the city of New Orleans that the franchise Pelicans will go as well? I would hate to see them go. It would be the second franchise we lose, and I don't think we'll get another one. So I just want to know if if AD goes, you know, will the franchise go too? And I need to join a new team, join a new wave, maybe be a, you know, you know, very easy fan like Jacoby. But, um, you know, just tell me what I got to do, you know. Keep doing what y'all doing. Keep getting them checked. Thank you so much. Well, I will say this. The way that things are looking, AD is not going to go for nothing. They're going to get something in return. Prospects, picks, which will provide for the future of the franchise. So I would say that Adam Silver would not allow the Pelicans to leave the great city of New Orleans, especially with what they've been through in the last decade. Your thoughts, Mr. Rose? I agree with you. Um, There is a city in Seattle that I feel like deserves a team as well. But for New Orleans, it's not the fans fought that they've had a couple of all NBA caliber players and like Chris Paul and now Anthony Davis, who they've been able to satisfy to the point that they want to spend the majority, if not all of their careers with that one team. But AD's not left yet. And he's nope. not a free agent this summer. And what you just touched on is key. If he decides that he doesn't want to sign long term this summer and they start to create a process of putting together a plan to move him, I'm going to ask for so much. Like Deion Sanders on draft day with the Lions, they're going to have to put the other team on layaway. Like I'm going to make sure that I get terrific players and prospects in return. I ain't doing the deal until the last minute of the last second of the last day. Thank you so much for the call. Big shout to everybody in New Orleans and all Pelicans fans. Shout out. We'll see what happens with Anthony Davis, but it seems like every single person already has him in a different uniform. You know, he could remix it and just end up signing an extension. Who knows? That's the fun thing about this league. I want to thank everybody for calling in. Don't forget, you can call 985-80-JALEN and leave us a voicemail. Appreciate you so much. We'll be back tomorrow with a special episode of Jalen and Jacoby. Why is that, KRS? We're not done. We're not done. We're not done. Guys, I love them. Speaking of the hobbits, let's talk about LeBron. All I care about is my nipples. Seriously. <laughs>